Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We don't have to serve God. We don't have to walk with the Lord. We don't have to do things for God. But I think for anybody that understands how good he is, how wonderful God is, how gracious he's been, what he's done for us, I willingly, I'm a bond slave. My will is altogether consumed. I'm, 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 a, I'm in a permanent relation of servitude to the Lord, Paul said. My will is altogether consumed in the will of God. Paul, I gave my will up. My, my desire in life is to do the will of God. And so we all want to be bond slaves of Jesus Christ. Well, we would say, God, my life is yours. A servant is no greater than its master. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he teaches you about what it means to be a bond servant to Christ. A bond servant is a servant who for life is dedicated in servitude to their master. They don't go to another master or live a life of freedom. They have chosen to be completely sold out to live a life of slavery and loyalty to their master. Pastor Bill explains that the same should be true for Christians. We should be forever enslaved to the service and work of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to God. So first of all, we got Paul. This is, um, you know, many years later that since Paul's been saved, uh, before Paul was Paul, what, what was his name? You guys? Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Got saved in, in the book of Acts. You begin to see his life in Acts chapter 8, and you can kind of follow the life of Paul from Acts chapter 8, saved in chapter 9, and you can follow his life all the way to chapter 28 of the book of Acts. Galatians chapter 1 and 2 give us a little bit about his life. 2 Corinthians 11 and 12 also. But at this point, Paul's been saved in ministry for about 20 years. So this is well into his walk with the Lord and his service to God that he writes the book of Romans. Paul says, I'm a bond servant. And um, every time we come to that, that word in a book, I define it for you guys. Um, the Greek word is doulos. Um, we speak English. So here's a definition of the word bond servant, bond slave. It's a, it's, a, it's a slave, and the definition is one whose will is altogether consumed in the will of another. So it's a person that's in a permanent relation of servitude to another person, his will altogether consumed in the will of the other. And this is the idea. Back in these days, somebody might be a slave, and however they became a slave, after you can only be a slave for six years. The seventh year, you get to go free. So at the seventh year, you might have been a slave in a household. And I told you guys, slavery back here wasn't like what we know of African slavery, where people were taken off their continent by force and made to come serve and whipped and hung and everything else. Many times this was their job. These are people that didn't have another means to support themselves. So if someone had served in a person's house as a slave and the year of their freedom came up, I'm free, I could go now. And they said, no, nah, I like it here. You've been good to me. I mean, this, I want to stay here. My kids have grown up here. Um, I, w- I want to stay. And so now they would become a bond slave, which means now I'm a slave by choice. I had, the, I had the freedom to leave, but I chose to stay. And the way they would signify that they were a bond slave is they would take a, it, where that's where we get earring. They would get an earring. They called it an awl, and they would put the person's ear on the thing and hammer it in. And that, that earring would signify that I'm a slave here by choice. I had the freedom to go, but I chose to stay because they're good to me here. And so when Paul says I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ, Paul says, I, I, just like you and me, 
Y'all don't have to serve God. We don't have to serve God. We don't have to walk with the Lord. We don't have to do things for God. But I think for anybody that understands how good he is, how wonderful God is, how gracious he's been, what he's done for us, I willingly, I'm a bond slave. My will is altogether consumed. I'm, 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 a, I'm in a permanent relation of servitude to the Lord, Paul said. My will is altogether consumed in the will of God. Paul, I gave my will up. My, my desire in life is to do the will of God. And so we all want to be bond slaves of Jesus Christ. Where we would say, God, my life is yours. We know from 1 Corinthians 6 that we've been bought at a price, the blood of Jesus. So we want to grow to the place where we could say, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. I want to do the will of God with my life. So Paul says, Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. You look up the word apostle and it means a sent out one. So just as Paul was sent out um, to plant churches and establish works, um, that's why he was called an apostle today. Guys do really weird things. The, 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 it's almost like, you know, the, the title's got to get bigger and bigger. So first you're a minister. No, I'm a pastor. No, I'm a, a bishop. And then now the, 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 you really want to show up, everybody. I'm an apostle. And you got guys that ain't never went out nowhere calling themselves apostles that, you know, the idea of an apostle in the scripture was these are people that had, one day got the message straight from the Lord. Um, these aren't guys that it was handed down from other people. They got the message from God. Paul received the gospel from Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus. God gave it to him. And so there was apostolic authority. So when I preach the message to you, Paul would say, it's not like I heard it from 10 other teachers and I'm trying to give you my best rendition of it. I got it straight from the Lord. So I'm an apostle. I've been sent out by the Lord, um, obviously, to share this message. So a bond servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Then he says, I'm separated to the gospel of God. Paul says, the thing that God has set my life apart to do, I've been separated to the gospel of God. And I think it's so important that every believer figure out what they've been separated by God to do. Uh, Paul says, I know my life has been set apart to the gospel of God. I'm, I'm called to share this message. And if you look at Paul's life, that's what he did with his life. Well, every one of us have some calling. There's something that God says, man, I've set you. You are a unique vessel of mine. I made you different. Uh, you had different upbringing. You had different experiences that, that, that shaped you into what you are. And I've made you to be this for my glory. Paul understood what his call was and he embraced it and he walked in it. Everybody here, we want to pray and, and say, God, what have you created me to do? And some of us are looking for something loftier than what we are. May You may be called, you may be separated to be a mom at home. And, and that may not seem like something, but a mom at home raising another generation of believers is a big deal to the Lord. And if you if you look at it like, well, you know, I, I, I do that, but I want something else to do, too. Maybe you just want to do that with all your heart. Maybe you want to be a mom separated to the ministry of pouring into my kids, that there be a generation of kids from that got my husband's last name. Not my husband, because I don't know. I don't but y'all know what I'm saying. I'm speaking for the wise that that these kids have been poured into. They know the Lord. And I've embraced that ministry. I'm not I'm not looking for something else. Um, some churches are full of women that want to be doing something in the church. Um, that's we don't do women pastors and all those sort of things that, that that but they're missing out on their true ministry. They're not at home raising up another generation for the Lord. Maybe some guy here that got a job and maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you kicking cans about what you get to do. But if you can see that job as something that for right now, God has separated me to do this work. I'm separated by God to 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 shine the light for him. You know, at, at whatever, you know, you name it, whatever the job is, you know, I'm a mechanic 
by the will of God. I'm going to turn that wrench better than the rest of these fellas. You know, I'm a, whatever you are, you want to find this is what wherever I'm at, whatever state of life I'm in right now, God put me here. And right now I'm separated to this work. This is what God's called me to do. Um, everybody here is there's something God's called you to do now. Like now, not 10 years from now, not after you get prepared, not not when you get ready. Right now, there's something God's called you to do. And it may change and develop and grow over time. But Paul is walking in his calling and we want to take from his example and say, God, I know I've been called to do something, too. I want to know what it is that I might walk in it. And there's nothing more fulfilling we can do in this life than to pursue the call of God upon us. Nothing that will mean more, nothing that will be more fulfilling than to do the thing that you were actually created by God to do. Uh, It'll take faith. You have to overcome some fears, but it'll be so fulfilling to do that which God has created you to do. And so I encourage everybody to be on your face about that. Be in prayer about that. Seek the Lord about that. God, just show me one thing I can do for you and then do it with all your heart. Do it for the Lord. So moving on, verse two, which he promised before through the prophets in the Holy Scripture. So this the gospel of God that Paul is separated to. Paul said, hey, this isn't a new message. It was spoken up through the prophets. God foretold of this, that this was coming through the scriptures. Verse three, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection, by the resurrection from the dead. And so here he quickly takes us to Jesus. Uh, He says, I've been separated to the gospel of God. It was spoken before through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning who? Concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And the whole of Scripture, you guys, is really to point us to Jesus. Um, The big deal in the Scripture is Jesus. He said in, in, in the volume of the book, he said, it's written about me. You can find Jesus in every book of the Bible. It's that he's in there. Um, it's about him. The goal of the Bible is to point us to Jesus, that we will understand who he is, why he came, what he did, and why we ought to submit and surrender our lives to him. When the church gathers like this, the big deal should always be Jesus. The big deal shouldn't be the choir, the worship team, the minister, the servants, the people. The big deal when the church of Christ gathers should be Jesus. And we have to make sure that we treat it that way, that if we're going to sing, we're going to sing to him. If we're going to preach the word, we're going to preach the word about him. And if we leave here with something on our mind, if we leave here with something that, that's rocking our cage, then it would be him. It'd be the person of Jesus Christ. That all this book is about him. It's to draw people close to him. Do you realize when this life is over, when everybody in this room dies, one thing is going to matter. One thing is going to matter. What did you do with Jesus? That's it. The, I mean, take your whole life, however long you live. 80 years, 30 years, 50 years, 90 years, 104 years. When you're done living this life and you stand before God, as Hebrews said, is appointed a man once to die and after this to judgment. All your accomplishments, all you did in school, what you did at work, all your plaques and trophies and this and that and all the things people squabble about, that won't be up for discussion. You're going to stand there before the Lord and one thing is going to matter. What did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him? Did you reject him? Was he Lord? Because if so, you're in a great place. If you receive Jesus, you are in a great place. If you've received him as Lord, your sins are washed away. You're in a relationship with God. God sees you and the righteousness of Christ is on your life. He doesn't see your sin, your blemishes, your faults, your failures. You're perfect in his sight. You're received in the Lord. That's what he sees. If you've rejected him from being Lord of your life, you stand there in your sin and you're not acceptable. You don't get to go in. That's the whole of life is going to come down to what we did with Jesus. 
Once we've received him and we got that covered, because for so many of us, we know that we were like, no, I know I'm saved. I now got the Holy Spirit living in me. I feel conviction. I'm led of the spirit. I, I know I'm born again. I know God lives in me. Awesome. Now we got the rest of this life to, to be busy serving him, looking at what he did for you. He did that for me. When I wasn't looking for him, he found me. Paul wasn't looking for the Lord. I don't have time to go into his story. But when Paul got saved, he wasn't looking for the Lord. Paul was on his way to do some more sin. Paul was persecuting the church. He was coming after them. Jesus Christ knocked this dude off his high horse and shared with him. And many of us, we weren't looking for the Lord when we got saved. We were on about whatever we were about. And the Lord did what he did. He, he did what needed to be done in your life to cause you to say, I need you, Lord. I, I, I want you. I want to be saved. Most of us weren't looking for him. He came looking for you. That's why I hate to hear people share testimonies. I found the Lord. No, 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 no. You was lost. He found you. <laughs> you while you were off and about, the Lord found you. You were the lost one. The Lord ain't never been lost. So moving on. Two things between verse three and four. We get a little bit of his humanity and a little bit of his deity, right? He was born, it says, uh, of the seed of David, according to the flesh. So we know the lineage of Christ through the seed of David and his humanity. He came that way. But we also know that he was divine. Yeah, he was human, but he was also divine. How do we know he was divine? The resurrection of the dead. God took his life back. He laid his life down and he picked his life back up again. Who, who does that? Who else can do that except God? And so that's how we know Jesus is God. The, the, the separating fact for the Christian is that Jesus died, but he got back up again. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Nobody else, no other God, no other religion has that testimony. No other religion's leader or deity died and came back. None. But Jesus died, came back, was seen by over 500 people, spoke to people, shared messages, ate fish. I mean, he, you know, he left a, left a legacy, had several different times where he gave instruction to the church before he left. Then he ascended on back into heaven and left us down here to do what he's called us to do. And so um, we know that he's God. Verse five, through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And so through him, through Christ, he said we received grace and apostleship. And I want to explain grace. We're going to learn a lot about grace in the book of Romans. And grace ought to be a topic that a Christian is very familiar with. Um, we should just understand grace. If I ask you for the simple definition of grace, most of us would say, you know, grace is it's God's unmerited favor. God's goodness to you for nothing. God just giving you what you don't deserve. And all those things would be true. They would be accurate. As we go through Romans, we're going to learn uh, just those things are true, but there's there's just more. Um, when God says, man, I, I, my grace has been bestowed upon you. Um, when God God's goodness is just not normal goodness. Right. Um, if I just say hey, I've been great, I give you what you don't deserve. I can only give so much. My 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 level of giving is kind of limited. You know, um, when God says I'm giving grace. I'm giving you what you don't deserve. His, 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 his depth is much deeper. What he's able to give, his resources, is so much more than what we could give out. And so when God says, look, according to the grace, and every person here, there's, a, there's grace been allotted to you. This is what grace is. God looking upon you and saying, I'm not going to treat you like what you deserve. Everybody here know you don't want to be treated by God the way you deserve to be treated? Everybody know that? I know I don't. God said, I'm not going to treat you like what you deserve. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm not going to withhold from you the things you don't deserve. Guys, I'm going to do something different here because I'm God and I'm good. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve on many levels of life. You don't deserve forgiveness, but I'm going to give you forgiveness. 
Um, you don't deserve my, my, my mercy, upon, but I'm going to give you my mercy. You don't deserve for me to leave heaven, come to earth, die in your place, but I'm going to do that for you anyway. After you got saved, you don't deserve for me to keep being good to you when you keep breaking my commandments, but I'm going to be good to you anyway. You don't deserve another chance, but I'm going to give you another chance anyway. It's ongoing ministry of grace to the believer. God says, you don't deserve it, but, but I'm giving it to you because it's, it's grace. And what should ultimately happen? This is why there should never be a cocky Christian, right? Can I be cocky about any aspect of my walk with the Lord? I shouldn't be. Not if I understand it, that it's grace. Not if I understand that I didn't earn it. God gave it to me. Well, I'm a pastor the church. That's a grace of God. It's a grace. The gifts are given out by grace. The ability to stand in whatever you stand in is by grace. My, the fact that I'm saved is through grace. I really don't have anything to be arrogant about. No believer does. And the better we understand grace, I think it makes us humble and thankful. We're just more thankful for everything. Man, God, thank you. I know I deserve it. I know the truth. We all in the room know what we really are. And we know what God's done for us despite that. And we know we've been recipients of grace. And recipients of grace should also then be very gracious people. You should be gracious. It's not right for Christians to be harsh and nasty when you receive so much grace. When God's given you so much of what you don't deserve. And then somebody need grace from you, need you to give them what they don't deserve, but you don't have that to offer. That's not right. So sometimes just meditating on God's grace in your own life and help you out with those people that God puts in your life that deserve his grace. They deserve you to be good to them. And, and grace is it's a healthy thing for you to practice. Grace is not just letting people off the hook. OK, I'm going to be gracious. And let you go. Grace is doing good for someone that doesn't deserve it. So if you're writing notes, um, this is a challenge. There'll be a few challenges. Challenge number one today. I challenge everybody here this week to do something good for someone that really doesn't deserve it from you. And, 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 and don't go tell them. Don't go say, you really don't deserve this, but I'm just being gracious. Because some Christians will be just like that. You know, uh, you know the, my, the pastor said, I'm going to do some nice. So here, I hope you like it. Grace, you know. I'm saying you got to even do gracious things in a gracious way. And so my challenge, everybody here, think of somebody. They probably come right to your mind. That person, that person, that one right there, that one. Do something good for them that they don't deserve. Just blow their mind. Just, just do something great for them and do it. Just do it. Do it quietly. Just be gracious and just just do it because God does it for you over and over and over again. Just do something good for them. Grace. Um, it's a good practice for us as believers. Because it's bad to be a good recipient and a poor giver of anything. If you can receive grace but can't give it, that's bad. If you can receive forgiveness but can't give forgiveness, that's bad. And if you can receive help but can't give help, if you can only take but you can't give, it's always bad. That's, that's, that, this, that means that you're a damn and things aren't flowing through you, but it's stuck with you. God wants us to be like riving, rivers of living water where the things that flow in also can flow out. I receive grace, so I give it. I receive forgiveness, so I give it. I receive whatever God's given, so I can give it back. I can give it to other people too. But God doesn't want any of us to be a dam where I get it and it just stays right here till it dies. Um, God wants it to flow right on out to other people. So once again, verse five, he says, through him we have received grace and apostleship. Again, Paul's apostleship, his being sent out he said, this is the purpose of my apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. I read that over and over and over again. And I just I, I look at what happens in churches today and 
why guys become apostles and how it becomes so much about the guy, the man. They have whole apostleship ceremonies where the guys is, 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 is like treated like, like royalty and they march in and all these different things. And I'm looking at a real apostle here. And Paul said, you know, the purpose of my apostleship, um, God received grace and the apostleship for this purpose, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. The reason God made me an apostle, sent me out, a called out one, is so that other people would be obedient to the gospel. That the message of the gospel would go out, that people could be saved, that their lives would be transformed. The goal of his apostleship was not him being something great. It was that God's work would, would go on and per, would go further. And so we all want to be careful how we hold our gifts and our abilities, because in the world in which we live, we see people that hold their gifts, their callings, and their abilities in ways that glorifies them. And in scripture, we see that the goal of the gifts, the goal of the, 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 the callings is to glorify God, is to further God's work. And so because we all have gifts and callings and some of us have offices that we're standing in for the glory of God, we need to make sure that we hold those offices and we use those gifts and we use our calling and our position and whatever God's given you, that the goal of what God gave me, that you say, I, I want to use it for the glory of God. It's not about me. I want to, I want to, it's, it's, I received it. I didn't earn it. I didn't buy it. I could, God gave it to me. He gifted it to me. He graced it to me. Now I want to use it for his glory and for his purpose. That's the greatest use of God's gifts upon our lives. When we come to the place where we realize it's not about us, that I'm not a big deal. We're not big deals, but Jesus is still the big deal. That's when your gift is having its, 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 having its best function. When it's not about you, but when it just flows and it's about him and his work going forth. Now look at verse seven, the letter. This is what's written to to all who are in Rome, beloved of God and called to be saints. This letter is written to all the people in Rome. And we're going to see later on that Paul hadn't made it to Rome yet, but there were believers in Rome. And we believe that Christians from other areas had had gone to this area of Rome. They were there. They were in a rough place. Uh, they were persecuted in Rome. Rome was a, not a godly area. Christians weren't supported or welcomed in Rome. And so Paul is saying, I'm, I'm writing to all the saints, all those in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. And I, I don't want to brush over beloved of God. Paul says, all you people in Rome that love the Lord, you're beloved of God, too. All those beloved of God. And I, I, I was thinking of this, thinking of this as far as Inglewood, our city, where God's called us. The way just the language that's used in Scripture, he says, all those Beloved of God, called to be saints. And when I looked at the idea of what it is to be, what is it, what is it to be beloved of God? It's, we know God loves us, but the idea of being beloved is it's God's, God's turning his love in your direction and saying you're beloved of God to, to all those over there. That my love is toward you. I, I, have a, I have a love for you. I have a concern for you. And love in scripture is always active. Love is never dormant. Love's not an emotion. God's love is always active. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God says, look, to all those that are beloved of God, God loves the people in Rome. He loves you guys. Has a, he has a plan for you guys. And I'm, I'm, Paul's blessed to be the one to get to share it with him. But they're beloved of God. I think if we get that in our hearts and our minds, the church, church, church will just be a, a much more loving atmosphere, because even if you're difficult for me to love, I can look at you and say, but you beloved of God, but you beloved of God. You know, like you might be difficult. Everybody. I mean, we it just is too many kind of different people here. Right. Some of you guys are real talkative. Some of you guys are real quiet. Some of you guys are real stoic. 
Some people here real emotional. Um, all kind of different personalities. And then God said, here, all together, y'all family. Family, I'm your dad. Y'all family. I'm your sisters and your brothers and the Lord love each other. It's hard sometimes. We clash. We bump heads. We're not all the same. But if I could recognize that you're beloved of God, you can recognize I'm beloved of God. It just changes things. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on a rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.